Welcome to the Soulful IVF Podcast. It's your host, Lisa White, and I believe your fertility journey through IVF can be one of more ease, more joy, and more magic. Staying empowered on this path requires us to look within, to go a bit deeper, to hold on to ourselves always. So remember to keep that light alive and let it begin. Hi, Lisa here, and so glad you're tuning in for today's show. Really excited to welcome my co-host, Dr. Green. He was my fertility doctor here in Colorado. He's with Conceptions, and he and I are starting a new series called IVF 3.0. I love how he breaks this down for us. There's been so much focus on technology and refining technology, and in this new series that we're creating, we're really bringing topics that are here to empower you, the patient, and taking an active role in your journey. So he will be discussing metabolism and how that can impact our diet, our activity level, and lifestyle. And there'll be so many more future topics that we'll be covering related to nutrition and so forth. But here is our first conversation in this IVF 3.0 series all about metabolism. Hope you enjoy. All right. I got Dr. Green here with me today for an updated clinical conversation. We're starting a new series called IVF 3.0. Welcome, Dr. Green. Hey, how you doing, Lisa? I'm doing great. How are you? Fantastic. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I'm so excited to have um, these new series of chats with you. And the topic that you and I have kind of decided today is to talk about an update on diet and lifestyle that can impact egg quality as well as sperm quality. So you are the go-to guy. You got the science and the data and the hottest research. Well, to mean, share. <laughs> you know, what I have is I have the perspective of time, Lisa. Mm. You know, my, my career is approaching three decades, okay? And, you know, the first decade was all about technology. What are the things that we could learn to make IVF more efficient? Mm-hmm. And that was fun. It was challenging. It was wonderful. And then the second decade, what I like to think of as IVF 2.0, was how do we then refine the technology and take it to the next level? And there were some major breakthroughs, and, and we made mm-hmm. huge advances. Now, for you know, close to about you know, six to eight years now, there haven't been any major breakthroughs scientifically. There, there are a lot of things that are very promising, and any one of them could break at any point which could help us raise success rates to the next level. But we also can't just wait for the next big thing. Mm -hmm. And so my concept of IVF 3.0 is going back to the basics. And, you know, what are the things that a patient uh, can do? You know, like what can a woman do to optimize her egg quality if she's trying to get pregnant with her own eggs? Mm -hmm. What are the things that her partner can do if, she, if it's a male partner, to optimize mm-hmm. sperm quality? Mm-hmm. And what can the person that's going to be carrying the pregnancy do to optimize the environment that mm-hmm. an embryo would be growing in? And I'm being very careful in how I lay this out, because as you know, our technology has advanced in such wonderful ways. We sometimes have three or four different people that are collaborating to create one successful pregnancy. Because we're sometimes working with single people or same-sex couple or transgender couples, you know, and, and so we have to try to be respectful that there are multiple different levels of, of things that, that should be recommended. And it's not one simple answer that everybody should be doing this or nobody should be doing that. 
And I think what our goal was today was to start by talking about physiology and, and talk a little bit about some of the basics so that we could build on that about diet and about lifestyle and about exercise and different things like that. It sounds so great. Yeah, I'm really glad to have these talks with you and empowering the, the patient. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or patience because patience. like I said, <laughs> sometimes it's a team. Totally, yeah. And what's really important is that team has to be partnered with the providers that they're working with because the technology can only deliver a certain degree of success. So we have to collaborate. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for speaking about this. So where should we begin talking well, about? Let's, talk, let's start by talking about metabolism. Okay. You know, metabolism is kind of a general term, but it's really a combination of at least three different things. Diet, exercise or activity level, because exercise doesn't just constitute time that someone spends in a, in a gym. It right. also, you know, is do they have an active lifestyle or not? Mm. So diet, activity level and lifestyle and lifestyle is really important because the ever present stress can you know produce stress hormones that could shift metabolism one way or another. So metabolism is a sum total of all three of these. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, for starters, one of the things we have to understand about metabolism is about, you know, uh, certain things about physiology. Okay. Okay. And if you take something that we used to think, or most people still think about as simple as fat cells. Okay. Mm -hmm. Fat cells, we used to think of as just energy storage sites or padding and cushioning. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The reality is that was completely wrong. Okay. Mm -hmm. As we understand it today, as human beings, we have three different types of fat cells. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's white fat, there's brown fat, and then there's what's called beige fat. Okay. And, and this is all physiologically very well established. Now, white fat is what we used to think about when we thought about fat. That's where calories are stored. But we understand today that white fat also can produce many different types of hormones. Mm -hmm. And some of those hormones can actually shift and affect metabolism. Okay. Mm -hmm. Brown fat, you could think of that as the space heaters. We're mammals and we have to maintain certain body temperature. Mm -hmm. And if you look at, for instance, babies, based on the size of the baby, they have a higher percentage of brown fat than humans at any other stage of development because they're so small and their skin is relatively thin. They have to be able to generate extra calories to just burn for the sake of producing heat so they mm -hmm. can maintain their body temperature because babies are very susceptible to hypothermia mm -hmm. or low temperature. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. But as adults, we understand we actually have brown fat too. And there's newer studies that show, for instance, people that want to lose weight, if they regularly expose themselves to colder temperatures, you could burn more calories, even when you're not exercising. And mm. that can actually help people get to a healthier weight. Okay. And beige fat is fascinating, because these are the cells that the body can turn into one or the other. Mm. That's kind of the reserve. And so things like you know, eating more calories can make these cells generate more white fat mm -hmm. or exposing yourself to more cooler temperatures, whether that's with 
ice baths or some of these cold spas or different things like that can help you convert more brown fat. You see what I mean? Wow. Okay. So, so something that that is as basic as, as fat is much more complicated and nuanced than we ever used to think. And as we know, some people, you know, there's kind of a wide range of what's considered normal or healthy. Mm. But we all know some people that are either too thin or too heavy. And either one of those is an imbalance. It's an imbalance both in hormones and it's an imbalance in calories. Mm -hmm. And that create results in metabolic disruption. Mm -hmm. And that's why people at either end have more difficulty either getting pregnant Mm -hmm. or maintaining a pregnancy. Affecting metabolic dysfunction. Okay. Yeah. And hormone dysfunction. You know, again, Mm -hmm. hormone dysfunction and metabolic dysfunction go hand in hand. I'm so glad we're talking about this. (laughs) And this is why, you know, this is such a complicated subject. Yeah. Because we have to we have to start by understanding where each person is coming at this problem to begin with. Are they at the very beginning where they have to optimize egg or sperm quality? Or are they somewhere in the middle where they have to optimize their body's ability to receive an embryo? Or are they actually during pregnancy where they have to do everything to help maintain and support that pregnancy? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, each one of these you know, phases of, of, quote, fertility treatment is necessary for the end result, which is a healthy pregnancy and a live birth. But the recommendations have to vary according to whether someone begins this process too heavy or too light Mm -hmm. or just right. And if they're in that range that they're just right, then we still have to understand more about their their activity level, their lifestyle, their food Mm -hmm. choices in order to try to create individualized needs. And you Mm -hmm. can see why, even though everybody loves a simple solution, you know, where where someone jumps on a bandwagon and says, everybody should do this or nobody should do that, just doesn't work. It always works for a small niche population. Mm -hmm. And those are the ones that are big advocates that say, hey, I did that and it worked for me. Yeah. But then there's all sorts of other people say, yeah, I tried it. It didn't work for me. Well, mm-hmm. they were probably at a different point on their journey or they had some other, you know, different perspective early on. And that's why I'm so excited about us being able to try to tease this out because yeah. even the most caring and loving and compassionate provider in today's environment doesn't have the knowledge or the time to tease out all these details for every individual whose care they're involved in, especially when there could sometimes be anywhere from one to four people involved in creating one pregnancy. Yeah. And so that's why it's so important that each person that's going through this process understands this, and then they could take an active role and they could guide their provider as to what their needs are, as mm-hmm. well as understand from their perspective, the things they could be doing on their own. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for breaking this down. I mean, yeah. Breaking down the importance of fat and how that 
is affected. Different types of fat. Yeah. Different types of fat, how that's affected by diet, by exercise, by our lifestyle. I mean, that's one factor, right? And just, well, that's several. Well, when we're starting off this process, right. Of wanting to, to get pregnant and have a healthy embryo, carry a pregnancy, all these things. I mean, there's so much preparation that goes into this. And the point is, is my hope is, is that for anyone that's listening to this series Mm -hmm. and chooses to go on, instead of trying to take the approach and say, this sounds too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Instead, I hope that we can encourage them to go on this journey with us and say, this is great. I really want to understand this so I can understand what I can be doing or what I could be asking for in order to advocate for my own best outcome. And do you feel that each individual should be in touch with their own personal doctor? Do you feel like fertility doctors are getting more, a little more involved in this part of it? I mean, put it this way again, providers, and I'm using that term specifically Mm -hmm. because it's not Mm -hmm. always doctors today. Sometimes it's, you know, uh, PAs, nurse practitioners, nutritionists, Mm -hmm. uh, naturopaths, acupuncturists, providers of all different flavors. And they all tend to come at this from their own perspective. Some Mm -hmm. are very deeply interested and motivated, others not so much. And Mm -hmm. that's why it's so helpful that each person that's on this journey, the best attitude that they could take is to take an active role yes. so they could try to seek the relationship and the guidance that they think is going to best serve them. And if they think they're not getting it, they at least know the questions they could ask for or advocate to help redirect their care in a way that they're more comfortable with. Well, you know, I'm a huge proponent of individuals on this path, taking an active role, (laughs) take an active role in your journey, take your, take the power back a little bit, you know? And and the bottom Um, line is, is this is why it's not something that we could boil down to three simple bullet points. Everybody should do these three things. It'd be wonderful if life was that simple, but if that were the case, we wouldn't need IVF to begin with. Mm Mm-hmm. So other than fat, any other um, areas that you can bring up? Well, and like I said, the, you know, these are just the basics for discussion. Mm-hmm. But then what I think we should be talking about in future topics, we mm-hmm. should be talking about nutrition, yep. which is not just, you know, the calories that you're taking in. It's also the food choices. It's the nutrients that they have. It's even how food is prepared. You know, and each one of those things can be topics we could delve into. It's activity level, because as I mentioned, activity level is not just exercise. And exercise doesn't mean one type of activity, you know. So there's a whole host of different activity levels. And then when we talk about lifestyle, you know, that's everything from when and how much someone's sleeping to what are they doing to try to identify and manage the way they respond to stress. And again, these are all key points and each one of these we can mm-hmm. elaborate on. Yeah. And, and, you know, nobody could understand what I perceive as stressful. Right. And so therefore, if I could learn how to interpret my own stress and what I can do to best manage it, then I can advocate for myself. I could talk to a nutritionist, but they don't know what my taste or, or food preferences are. So if they're not going to give me recommendations that I'm going to be comfortable with, Mm -hmm. 
I'm not going to listen to them. Mm-hmm. And that's why these things are, are, are very complicated subjects that require a podcast that, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's different, you know, different mm-hmm. subtopics that can yep. be broken down. And if there's a topic that's not interesting to someone or they don't think is relevant, they could skip that one. Yeah, well, I'm so glad to have these talks with you. I know you just shared before our chat, like IVF is the technology, technology, technology. And there's so much focus on that. And it's like, let's bring it back to empowering individuals on what they can control in this process. Oh, and, right? and it comes down to like one question that I hear every day as an IVF specialist. People always ask me, what's the average outcome for this? And I always ask them, what's the average woman? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? I mean, think yeah. about that. Yeah. You know, every person you ask that's going to have a different idea of what that means. It's mm-hmm. going to depend on their age. It's going to be te- depend on their lifestyle. It's going to be- depend on their ethnicity and their background and their culture. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as average. No. There's a wide range of average. Wow. And that's why there's not one perfect IVF journey or IVF solution that meets everybody's needs. And today's technology still has its limits, even in the best case scenario. Right on, right on. Well, this is just the beginning. We got lots of topics to cover. <laughs> and lots of time to do it. And then, and then yeah. the, the point is, is I hope that we, that those that decide to go on this journey with us find mm-hmm. it helpful and also find a way to give us feedback so we could make sure that we're covering any subtopics along the way that are relevant. Because chances are for anyone listening to this, if it's a question that's occurred to you, it's probably occurred to many other people as well. Well, we're grateful for this information. So thank you so much, Dr. Green. Absolutely. And thank you. Appreciate you tuning in to this first episode with Dr. Green, and he and I will be covering lots of different topics, but we want to hear from you. We want to know what topics interest you, what questions you have, what you'd like to learn more about. And you could submit those questions to myself, Lisa, at ivfmanifestingamiracle.com. And you can also connect with Dr. Green at his website. It's enhancingfertility.com. So we're here for you and continue moving forward. This is where it begins, letting the light in, soaking it in. Darling, don't you know that you've got a gift? So look deep within.